Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live, and today we have director and co-star of the upcoming movie, Mid-Century, Sonia O'Hara. Sonia, thank you for being here with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Now, for our audience, Mid-Century is coming out on video on demand and digital this coming June 17th, and then... About a month from now, it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD on July 26th. Now, with that said, we will remind people again at the end of the show. But, you know, as a director, this movie was written by Mike Stern. So when you got the script from Mike and you read it, what were your initial thoughts on, on the story? So it's always interesting when you're a director for hire because you are brought in to sort of like bring your point of view to the project. But when it's not your script, there are certain limitations of what you can do. So when I initially read the script, I had trepidation about doing a haunted house horror movie because I just thought you want to avoid all the cliches. You want to make a movie that matters, something that's unique, something with a point of view. And then I read it and I was like, okay, this is saying something. I want to lean into the social commentary. Like I want to make something that, you know, that will stick with people long after they're they're done watching it because it's easy to make a jump scare. It's yeah. easy to superficially creep people out. But if we can make something that has that is going to last and that will matter to people, like that was what I was aiming for. Absolutely. So my- willing to let me kind of come in, give my notes, give my point of view as a woman who's dealt with a lot of like sexism in the film world and sort of like weigh in on what you know alice's character would be going through this is so much more than just a paranormal haunted house film this film has so many layers to it and we're going to get to uh, some of them here now uh how do how were you picked to direct this film so I had a, a pilot that I had written and directed and acted in called Doomsday that I was, was at a film festival called Series Fest in Denver a few years ago. And Mike Stern, the writer, approached me, but I just thought it was one of those things of a producer sort of being like, yeah, you were great. We should work together one day. And like nothing would ever come of it. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, he emailed me and said that he had been following what was happening because I had just directed another feature film for someone else. And he was like, hey, I would love for you to read the script. And he had been so nice and so lovely that I was really hopeful that the script would be good. (laughs) Right. So when I ended up getting the script and it was like, it stuck with me and was like messy and creepy and sexy and weird. I was like, okay, I actually want to make this movie. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you and Mike, uh, when you read the script, did you, were you guys on the same page on how to bring the script to life? Yes, I am incredibly visual and he like really let me sort of do the thing that I do with my cinematographer. I was able to come in and bring a DP that I had, you know, worked with before. And he kind of gave me carte blanche to creatively bring the world, like all of my stuff has like a femininity where I like to juxtapose really beautiful images with really creepy subtext. Yeah. And I it was important to me that I had the freedom to do that. Nice. Yeah. He just really was supportive of my vision while giving me the tools I needed and the, you know, that cast. Like once oh. I was able to have real cast like that, 
that elevated everything. I mean, Shane know? West, Stephen Lang, what were your thoughts that you were going to get to work with these people? I was so excited. Like, I grew up watching Shane West. Like, and he's always been such a damn good actor that yep. I think underutilized and in this i wanted somebody that wasn't just a charismatic leading man i wanted somebody that has this kind of uncomfortably dark undercurrent mm -hmm. where you're not sure if he's the nice guy or if there's something off yeah because i know a lot of people like that and yeah. i wanted to play with the idea of like he thinks he's woke and hip and cool but he's problematic just like you know the stephen lang character in exactly and we're gonna get into uh Shane West's character in a little bit, but the film revolves around architecture and a famous architect by the name of Frederick Banner, who's played by Stephen Lang. Uh, before we get into Stephen's character, were you worried on how you were going to bring the 1950s houses that, by the way, the film is not, it doesn't take place in the 50s. Well, not entirely. It takes place, yeah, it takes place in the present time, but it's about the architecture from the 50s done by this architect, Frederick Banner. Were you worried on how you were going to represent that and bring that to life when you were on set? Yes. I mean, it's something that, like, when I was given this mid-century house to film in, and there were a couple other mid-centuries that we also had, like, a day here and there where we were filming in them, they're gorgeous, but most of these houses have been updated so significantly that, you know, operative word is now modern, right? Like, yeah. they don't look like they did, in you know, in the past. But we had our production designer, Zach Bangma, came in, and he was somebody that he knows that I don't like to shoot white walls or non-visual things. And he would be building walls in the middle of a room to wallpaper it, because you couldn't wallpaper these like, you know, pristine vintage yeah. homes. And he would be just giving me all the tools to make them look like they were aged houses from yesteryear. Like it was, I had a whole art department that were doing everything they could to bring every sort of like picture perfect detail from the era. For me, so. watching the exterior of the house, I don't know if this was what you were, but for me, it totally reminded me of the Brady Bunch. You know, that Brady Bunch type of house from the 60s and the 50s and, and so on. Now, Frederick Banner is a rock star in the architect world, okay? He's passed away now, but he's legendary. But we find out that this man has a lot of skeletons in his closet. Uh, did you and Stephen, who plays Frederick, uh, have some pretty in-depth discussions on how his character was going to be brought to life? Stephen is fascinating because he's this actor's actor. He's a Shakespearean trained actor. He's a member of the actor's studio. He cares about the art of acting so much. And he is willing, he doesn't have any ego about it where many of the bigger actors do. Yeah. Like on set, there were times that he would let me give him 12 different redirects. And it wasn't because he wasn't nailing exactly what I wanted, but I was like, what if we also do this thing? Because he has this like joy about it. Yeah. And I'd be like, let's try it like this. Let's try it like this. And I felt like we were like, working out artistically and he would just like throw things at me and disarm me by the totally different direction like the sky is the limit of what he's capable of doing Absolutely. and he's just willing to like go in there and i was amazed because i had i was a little intimidated before i met him you know oh, i mean yeah. this is a guy that has worked with james cameron oh, like yeah. this is a force and i wanted to be really prepared and i knew that script inside out and he was just the most low-key kind person like he never made me feel intimidated he wanted to know my vision he was constantly checking in with me to make sure that he was delivering what i wanted and i'm thinking like dude i'm like over the moon that i get to direct you and you're just making sure i feel okay he so, has this brilliant yeah. ability to play the nice next door neighbor 
but also at the same time show a darker side. Uh, like we see in Don't Breathe, you know, I mean, that's just a classic example. He is a man who's supposedly blind, but he will kill you in 12 different ways. You know what I mean? And that's yes. the beauty of Stephen Lang. And he speaks eloquently. Like there's this, there. he's so polished and dashing. And then there's this like deviousness underneath it, which makes him just really compelling to watch. Because mm -hmm. he's like charming bad guy, right? And he reads just highbrow you know yeah yeah so let's talk about the two main characters of the film one is played by shane uh, west yeah. which is his character's name is tom levin and then we have dr alice dodgson played yes. by chelsea gilligan who she did a brilliant job as well and uh, this is her early performances like chelsea is such a talent and yes. a really good person and like everyone should hire chelsea i think she's gonna have a huge career did, uh, before we proceed, did you uh, were you the one that had the final say in casting her to play Alice? Well, it, was, it was definitely a team effort, right? Because we were all, Shane is also an EP on the movie. So we wanted to make sure that we had a love interest for his character, that they had chemistry. Because we've all seen where you find an actor that you think these two actors are going to be perfect together. Yeah. And then there was nothing happening between them on screen. Mm -hmm. And we auditioned a lot of actors. And there was a whole issue where there was a scheduling thing and an actress ended up having to not be able to do the role who'd signed on months before mm. two days before shooting oh god we, we had to we'd already started shooting scenes that didn't have chelsea in it and we were like oh god we need to replace our leading lady and our casting director went into overdrive i would be shooting for 14 hours going back to my hotel room in orange county watching self-tapes from all of these actors and then when we found chelsea's tape it was like this you know a godsend it must have been yeah, a godsend and we're like this girl is so great and she it's she's stunning like she looks like a model but she doesn't she's one of those people that truly doesn't know she's beautiful like she's self-effacing and funny and the smartest person in the room and she needed to have that for this character Absolutely. because she's the one who's driving the car shane west is in the passenger seat exactly she's the one. he's the mandarin county housewife yeah. where she's the one who's off working and doing the heavy hours you know so and, it was really vital she had that stature and there is that tension between the two of them where you know he is kind of resentful he being an architect himself and having to make this move to accommodate his wife's working situation and that's a whole other manner but uh my original question was why do you think that banners past victims choose tom to tell their story why do you think they select him over alice uh to because when alice is around you don't see any of the paranormal aspects in the film it really no. happens to tom what do you think that is i think that they see tom as a vessel for themselves of what they would be in modern day like back in the time back in that era they were able to be unapologetically sort of lecherous and caustic and wear everything on the surface yeah. and we have tom as this even keeled charismatic well-spoken everyman and I feel like they know that there's more, he's more of a vehicle to be able to get stuff done in this world than the woman. And it's still just like commentary on what it's like to move through that world, especially for her, you know, as a woman of color. And we're going to get to that. And we're going to yeah. get to that as well, too. But before we do, uh, Emil Larson uh, is a character, an artist played by Bruce Dern. 
Now, Emil and Frederick had a very strained relationship in life. Uh, how would you categorize their relationship? Like they're, they're, it's combative. It's a little competitive. Like Stephen Lang, you know, as Frederick Banner is looking up to Emile Larson as, you know, this innovator, like this person who is like at the helm of, of, you know, architecture and art, but you can tell that he doesn't want to be usurped. Yeah. Like in the scene that they have together, there's like this underlying current of, I want to be deferential and pay homage to you, but you're of yes, you're of the past. That Stephen Lang's character is, you know, he's the now the guy, like the cool guy in the in the you know in the, you know, who's exactly. It's like these two yeah. dominant alpha males in yes. like a pissing cup. But I'm just gonna say that they share a common interest. Uh, yes. We're not gonna reveal any spoilers on yes, that. Yes, but something that transcends both just being into you know architecture. And it was fun to see them like play with that because there was all the scripted parts. And then Bruce Dern insisted on improvising within the structure of uh -huh. that five minutes. And some of the lines that ended up making it into the movie were just crazy things that he came up with. And Stephen Lang was just going head to head. And that was the stuff where all the crew were like on the edge of our seats, like what are these dudes gonna do next, you know? That must've been so fun to watch. Uh, so as well as architecture, art plays a big role in this film with Emile Larson. How, where would you put that in retrospect to the whole outline of this film, the so art aspect? His, the paintings that we have by the Emile Larson character throughout the movie were things that to me were representatives, like the house is supposed to be beauty, beautiful and pristine, and it's supposed to sort of like haunt you and seduce you in turn. Mm -hmm. But these paintings that we have throughout the house are supposed to be the most overt signs that something is off. Like they're all just slightly weird. And I had so much fun as the director working with the artist, um, Emma, to create these worlds. I was like, okay, so I want the paintings to look at first soft and feminine and like sensual and then you look close it's and dark. they're like yeah it's dark it's garish it's a salty like when and we were really having fun like my dp and i were doing all of these shots where we're like pushing in you know and staying really close on these like off-putting paintings and you're all like creeped out as you're looking at them oh and wow really any time that i could put them in the background of a shot i just felt like it was like adding extra ick. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. It was perfect. Now let's let's go into the sexual harassment undertone, yes. which is huge in this film, and yes. it shows that Alice, who is a doctor, is yeah. not a woman doctor, is not immune to yeah. sexual harassment in the workplace. Yes. Okay, and that's a huge statement. Very true. Very real. I'm glad yeah. you decided to tackle it and put it in the film. How is it important? into how it relates to Banner's character, who's a misogynist from the 50s. I mean, I think the idea to Frederick Banner that a woman like Alice could exist, like in modern day- Must be appalling. 
appalling. Like he would think that's the entire, that the world has just gone down, you know, like that everything is, is terrible if something like this could exist. And here we have this woman in power and she's killing it. And, you know, she's just asking her husband and the people she works with, like everything is rooting against her. And mm -hmm. she's just like, this upstanding member of society who's smart and thoughtful and caring. And I was interested in that dynamic because people always know that, you know, actor actresses, get sexually harassed, but people imagined that when I'm in a position of power directing a movie, that that doesn't exist. And I can tell you that I've had some of the worst experiences, not on this movie, everyone was lovely, but in the past, oh, yeah. often with people speaking down to me, or, you know, if I've been on sets before, and I'm not, you know, wearing hair and makeup, it's like day 14 in the trenches, and I've had people think I'm a PA on my own set where I'm directing, and, or people will try to, you know, mansplain to me how lenses yeah. work. And I'm like, I do this for a living. Exactly. And I'm really nice about it. But there are lots of times that, you know, it's just, you know. Now, just I, I've had the pleasure in, in the very recent past of interviewing a lot more female directors. Uh, it's not where, nowhere near where it should be no. in regards to, but it is slowly creeping up. As a female, as a woman director yourself, do you think we're moving in the right direction with that aspect? I mean, I know there are plenty of opportunities and when there are opportunities, they get a lot of press and then people say that like the divide is over. But if you look at any of like, you know, the lists of like the top hundred films of all time, like you rarely see a yeah. woman, that's, right? It's like a topical trendy thing to hire women directors, but it's like, can it stand the test of time? Like, can, will people let there be room for feminine stories? Because you think, I think it's something that might just phase out? I, I mean, I worry that people are just going to look at the box office of a few women's films that may have still had people in the studio system, you know, not doing everything to make that woman have her vision really be heard. Yeah. And that, I think it's, you have to have people you have to so consistently be hiring men and women to be in a place where we have real, you know, gender parity. Absolutely. Right now, we're on the path to that. And it's wonderful that people are getting opportunities. But, you know, when I'm getting a movie, I'm beating out people of both genders as I'm pitching for that thing. And I've had people be like, she only got it because she's a woman. And yeah. I'm like, maybe my pitch was better. You know, it's like, we don't know. Like, there's like, you know, you don't want to think of it like that. You just want to be a good director is telling good stories. And making good it's things. like, no matter what you do, you can't win. You exactly. Know? So yeah. uh, you also have a very significant role. You are a co-star yes. in this film. You play Carrie Brennan, who is one of Alice's best friend and colleague. You were great, by the way. Uh, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but when I was watching you on the screen, you reminded me of Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> That's very funny, and I definitely got that before. <laughs> so I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> okay. Uh, so how did it go about where you got casted uh, in this role? Uh, was it something you were, no, 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 I just want to be behind the camera, and other people said, you know what, you should do it, or were it's you first, really stuck? Yeah. I've been an actor my whole life, oh, right? Yeah. Like I, I grew up doing this as a child actor in Canada. It's my first love. And I moved to this country, you know, on like an artist visa where I was only allowed to like seek work and entertainment as an actress. So I've been acting for a long time. When this movie came around, some of the movies I direct, there are roles that make sense for me and some do not. Yeah. I'm attached to direct a movie that's about toxic masculinity on the oil rigs of Montana. 
and there's no part for me in that movie. Like I don't exist on the oil rigs, right? So you have to know where you fit into a story. But for this one, I don't know if Mike suggested it or I suggested who, or I said, who's going to play this role. And it was sort of like, you are. And it just became like a thing that from day one. Yes, it was natural and it felt like the right fit. But yeah, I loved it. And and it was perfect. That they made that my four days that I was acting on set were the last four days of the shoot. So I was able to, for 21 days, just be focusing on directing everyone else, not have to take away time for hair and makeup or do anything else. Like you're in the trenches making your movie. And then in the last week when you're, you know, pretty close to being done, then you can relax and wear both hats. One last, I know we're all out of time, but I got one last question for you. Moving forward in your career, uh, directing, is that, uh, where did your true passion lie? Do you want to really dive deeper into directing? You have a ton of acting credits. That's been established. Yeah. Yeah. What What would you like to do? I mean, I'm a filmmaker and I see myself as making projects that matter and telling stories. And sometimes I'm getting to act in those stories and sometimes I'm not. But right now I'm attached to direct three new features. Nice. And I'm going to be doing a lot of directing. And I'm writing a feature right now that really matters to me that I'm going to act and direct. So I think I want to do it all, you know? It's like when we think of like the Clint Eastwoods and the Robert Redfords and the Bradley Coopers and all these dudes are handling these three, you know, they're handling multiple hats and there's room for all of it. But I just really want to tell stories that matter. I don't know. I want to make my Mulholland drives and my black swan. Go for it. Go for it. There's nothing holding you back. And congratulations, guys. The movie's called Mid-Century. It is releasing June 17th on video on demand and digital. Uh, yeah, uh, July is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. It's a great cast, great director, and Sonia here. You got to watch it. You're going to love this film. It's uh, scary. It's a psychological drama. I can't put this movie into a particular box. It spans multi-genres. Uh, you did a fantastic job in directing it as well. Congratulations. I'm sure you must be over the moon excited for the release date as it's approaching. (laughs) Do do you have any final thoughts you want to share before we go? No, I don't. I mean, thank you for bringing me here today. And I just hope that this is a movie that will stick with people and Mm -hmm. will promote conversation. So people can tweet at me if you have any hot takes on it. Like, I want to hear people's opinions on the movie. Absolutely. Reach out. Absolutely. Thank you to our live audience who's tuning in this afternoon and all you guys will be watching this later on. Thank you to Sonia for being our guest. On behalf of Sonia O'Hara, director, co-star of Mid-Century, and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Have a great day.